Welcome to Front Row Geeks. Possibly get uh, your bird, your borgs, if you want them. Yeah, I would have to order them through the app, so no. I would have to borrow your card and make sure it re- not remembers it. Uh, Live, by the way, or recording. Great. Uh, I'm gonna keep an ear out for my my fud. By the ways, once again, we're in lockdown. Oh, I mean, you can go protected to a QT. You know, get what you need. No, I mean like the food that I have cooking. Oh, 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 okay. Yeah, as in the stuff that I just started cooking. I ordered Indian food today. Oh, goody. Goodbye, bud. What kind of Indian food? Hmm? What kind of Indian food? I got chicken tikka masala. Tikka masala? uh, Tikka masala. And I ordered um, something called firecracker chicken, which I don't think is necessarily Indian specifically, but it looked good from the menu. Well, uh, I would assume that a lot of, like, American-based restaurants, they do a sort of fusion thing on a basis. Like, you know, how Chinese food really isn't Chinese food, yeah. for the most part. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know that firsthand. <laughs> uh, and, heck, that's more of a fusion of Chinese food in the first place before it got even to America. Anyway, how are you doing, everybody? Welcome to hell. Wait, sorry, I'm writing a Facebook post. <laughs> He's getting ready for stream after this <laughs> podcast, so... Uh, so, time for spoilers! Aerith dies! That actually is going to cause some people some problems, because the real spoiler for this game is something else. But they've already made it, so it feels like, you know, that spoiler now. Yeah. It... Uh, in some... I've, okay, so, I, I've... I've gotten sufficiently advanced in the story that I'm literally going into the uh, final chapters. Finra building. So you're you're there in chapter 17? No, I'm at chapter 15 right now. I'm doing... Oh, okay. uh, Last minute side quest stuff, as far as I know. Nope. Nope, that's 14. 15 is the ascent. I've actually done every side quest I can do. So so what, 15, 16, 17 are all chapters, but they're all endgame? Uh, basically, chapter 14 has a big thing that even, like, everything else goes, like, do you want to continue? Yes, no. When you hit this point, it actually goes no, yes. Meaning that, literally, that is the point of no return. Once Default you is start no, so that, you don't make a mistake. Correct. Yeah, but they do that for previous uh, open chapters, like chapter 3. Where if you try to go in and try to finish up, it'll ask you, hey, you have other things to do. Do you want to continue? with this and it's like give you a prompt i don't know if it's based off of no yes but most of the ones that i remember have been yes no for the Ah. prompts this is the first one where it's like okay i'm gonna go in i hit i just do my button mashing and it's like okay and then i turn right around like oh so i go back get to the prompt and it's like oh that's a no for the one it's uh set up so yeah chapter 14 is essentially quotations the open world part 15 
on is basically you are going to be finishing off the rest of Midgar. Excuse me. I like so, that we're going straight oh, so, in. Well, yeah, let's go straight into it. Because I was going to ask, you know, without uh-huh. spoiling much, how how have you felt about the experience overall? I'm liking it as its own individual take. I went in with the game with that mindset because when they said that they were going to have Nomura uh, directed, I was like, oh boy. What do you mean, oh boy? I would have said, oh boy. I mean, I did say, oh That's boy. because you're a Kingdom Hearts fanboy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, versus me, who it's like, Nomura is the art guy. He is not the director. <laughs> Nomura uh, is the what guy... What happens when he becomes the director is George of Cerberus. Yes, literally, Dirge of Cer- you get Dirge of Cerberus. I like that one. Uh, played it recently. Well, has... I think by recent standards, it's it's hard to go back to, but so is Mass Effect 1. Well, it's a PS2 title, but the problem is that, I hate to say this, Nomura has kept that kind of like directorial style, even in his more modern games, like Kingdom Hearts. Sweet. I'm happy with it. Keep it coming, Nomura. Give no, it to me. Give no, me. let somebody else in the director's seat. I think Admittedly, they're putting him in there. It's not that he's t- doing it. They're putting him in there. Square is putting him well, at the helm of all Well, that's because, like, well, here's the thing, is that some went, uh, like, I found an interview that actually out and out stated that Nomura, the reason why he's in the detor- uh, directorial seat is because, quotations, he's the youngest that was from the team. Everybody else has been either retired or have moved, have left the company entirely. And he's, like, 47. Oh, yeah, that's super young. No, he was like about 23 when he worked on... I had this discussion last time about uh, how soon Nomura actually joined Squaresoft and was con- contributing to the teams. I, yeah, I mean, he was... I, didn't, I didn't know he was 47, though. I'm saying that's young. Think of it this yeah. way. 20 years ago, he would be 27. When he was doing Final Fantasy VII, he was probably in his uh, early 20s. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so now that he's like 45... Yes, I, I, I don't say that Nomura can't direct. I'm just saying I don't like him as a director. Well, it's a good question of exactly how much of this was him directing, trying to guarantee the original feel and direction of the game since he was there and could provide excellent insight to it to uh, his subordinates that would go then go do the, say, dialogue, audio, animations, things like that. Yeah. Um... Or the original uh, set pieces and things like that. Uh, the okay. like which, things that you would never get to see, like uh, Chapter Four. Which um, which Final Fantasies has he directed? Uh, uh, let me go bring up a list. Because he didn't do fifteen, right? Because if you told me he did fifteen, mm-hmm. it's going to break no. my heart. I want to say no. yes, but no. Like he was a part of the entire Fatabula uh, Crystals Castalis things. With the one project right. that was that becoming into 15, but I don't know if he technically is the director that, of 15. That's right. That's right. No, he didn't because they took 15 from him because he, yeah, because you just remembered that he was, he was doing all the weird stuff with the 13 Crystal Novalis or no, whatever. Well, Novalis. 13 was a different director. Uh, all right, here we go. The one director that was in love with uh, Lightning. Uh, uh, ah, here we go. Uh, he was actually creative producer on type zero which was part of it he was also main character designer on 13 2 main character designer on 13 uh let's see here uh original concept basically he was the guy that 
wrote out the original idea for 15. Yeah, and they took that away from him after a while. That's why that's why we, now we have the Easter eggs that is your Zora in Kingdom Hearts 3. Actually, let me take a look at this. Uh, Has he actually directed anything? Uh, Besides Kingdom Hearts. He's been a lot of uh, creative producer stuff. Uh, Kingdom Hearts director... Technically, a producer isn't a director. Yeah. Uh, Kingdom Hearts X. Kingdom Hearts... Uh, so far, the only director stuff that keeps popping up is <laughs> Kingdom Hearts. And this one, of course. Seven Remake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see... Yeah, literally his first directorial debut is Kingdom Hearts. Um, oh, fantastic. Otherwise, he's character designer, a concept... Uh... Wow, the uh, or super uh, basically character designer, graphic supervisor, creative producer, and to explain what a creative producer is, he's basically the guy in charge of like all the art departments. So, three D modelers, artists, uh, CG rendering, stuff like that. Uh, Isn't it okay? That that's interesting. Now that you know, now that I'm thinking about this, because Kingdom Hearts came came out in like early two thousands, right? Uh, let's see here. Kingdom Hearts 2, uh, it's 02. Wow, so he was pretty young when he directed that game. By what I feel is pretty young to do that. Let's see, he was born in October 8th, Not necessarily. So he, he's actually 49 right now. Um. Is that like late 20s, early 30s that he, he, he directed Kingdom Hearts? Yeah, but consider, you know, actual film directors and things like that sometimes have successful films in their 20s and such. Uh, yeah, it's probably also the fact that he had uh, such good rapport with Final Fantasy VII, Final Fantasy VIII, you know, Final Fantasy oh. X. Though oh, Final wow, Fantasy I, didn't, 10. I didn't know he was part of that, even though that's not Square Enix. Uh, they got Tetsuya Nomura to do a character design for, for Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Neat. But so he's, so yeah, he's around. He, he, uh, not necessarily around, but, like, literally the only other thing that it technically this is his first directorial debut other than kingdom heart uh let me go bring up seven anyway going back to the original topic how is final fantasy 7 feeling so far like how do you well do you like it is it a positive experience for you uh, uh i do like what i felt so far uh, i've heard that a lot of people do not like the quotations twist at the end because that's the only thing so far that's been spoiled for me is that there is a twist at the end that a lot of people do not like. That is very Nomura-like. Yeah, I, I, I think I've heard about it. Yeah, I, I got uh, spoiled not on purpose. Like I asked for it. But, mm-hmm. but uh, if it's what if if it, I'm not going to say anything on the podcast, we'll we'll organically experience it on the stream. But if it's what I think it is, then I'm okay with it. I have mm-hmm. no problems with it. <laughs> uh, As a concept. I mean, the execution, we'll see how it looks like when it happens, but... Yeah. Let's see here. Oh! Uh, the original director, uh, Yoshinori Kitase. Uh, oh, God. Kitase. Kitase. Oh, okay. He was the producer of Final Fantasy XIII. Uh, he was... His actual first director, uh, Kitase, of the original seven, was... Uh, his first directorial debut was six. But going back to Seven Remake, I'm liking what they've done. Um, and I've talked to a few other people 
about it, and one of my friends says that he honestly would rather have seen an 8 remake with this style. I mean, I'm not opposed to that, of course, conceptually, but um, why not both? I want both. <laughs> it's on how long this takes, because yeah. uh, as far as I know, I haven't heard of anything like spoiling, you know, when the next one's coming out. Yeah. Or how is the next one coming out? Yeah. Um, other factors is how well this one's going to be received. Um, are they going to uh, juggle things up a little bit? Because uh, from what I've heard, uh, like while they have the re- like the initial remake, what we've gotten uh, set up, they're still trying to hash out the um, the concept of the next game and how many there are. We could actually get four games. I would be very surprised if. Well, uh, as I as we tried, I think I mentioned some time ago that uh, literally uh, from end of Midgar to uh, Aerith dying is stupid long. Uh, but that would be the logical point at which to um, do something. I agree. I think that would be a good cutoff point for number for number two when they come out with it. And I think, I think now that they've done all this establishment of assets and groundwork, I think they can do that. But that's just me. I'm not. <laughs> Pure speculation. And excuse me for a moment. I'm going to go check on my food. Okay. I think that's going to help with a good transition to something else. Because um, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about Final Fantasy VII. We can talk about that all day and night on the stream. And I think once we're done, we can probably have one last like postmortem on it. <clears throat> I think the other thing we can probably talk about is sort of Final Fantasy adjacent in that the there has been some some I guess rumors maybe rumors might be the wrong word maybe it is rumors about what Final the, Fantasy 16 no 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 the um oh no I think that's a totally different thing about the next gen consoles their price points have you, oh. have you have you been hearing this stuff yeah somewhat I haven't been paying attention because I think at the moment uh we may not be getting those this year because of the entire epidemic so pandemic. it's funny it, it's good that you bring that up because this is kind of what transitioned to to what i've been hearing because sony did put out a statement this week that they are still in line to have playstation 5 hardware come out this this holiday season that's not changing yeah so it, but there's also the fact that it's sitting up at the same price point as the playstation 3 on launch day essentially well that's and... what i'm trying to get into yeah because first first what actually is changing is that it's going to be a lot less of them there won't be as many units out in the wild anyway so that's one thing and two your the second thing yeah you're right a lot of the rumors are saying this this could be 450 500 maybe even more yeah but i don't understand why it's so expensive a lot of what they're saying is that a lot of the parts they are using is in short supply overall when compared to the rest of the market because a lot of the parts they are using are also used by cell phones. And because there's a new generation of cell phones coming up at about the same time, the manufacturers of those parts just increase the prices because that's what you do when there's when there's high demand for a product. So the PlayStation... In other words, Sony got sort of screwed because yeah, they ended up uh, sourcing uh, somebody else's stock. And, well, that stock is now far more limited because... What I don't understand is that that's going to happen every year. There's always a new release of cell phones every year. 
So yeah, I mean, so in that case, there really wasn't much avoiding it. In addition to that, Xbox is under the same the same same battlefield. Their oh boy, their price it looks like it's going to be four fifty, five hundred, even five fifty. Both of these consoles are waiting in that area. The only probably the, the idea is that maybe the only reason we don't have price fixed price points yet is that PlayStation doesn't want to make the first move again and, and fuck things up like they did with the PS3. They're hoping that well, Xbox will be the first one to stand up front, shout their price out, and then they can react to that. It could also be a thing of that they know that not too many people are going to be making the jump immediately. Like, they're going to wait a year, maybe two. Not to mention because of, like, the mid-generational uh, uh, mid, uh, upgrade we had from last generation. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to just... They're expecting a lot of people to just simply grab a Pro or a mm-hmm. One uh, now that it's been knocked down a bit because of the new generation of consoles. Yeah, very likely. Out. I think they are anticipating that the first set of PlayStation 5s are going to be for folks who have the disposable income for it and are willing to, to be mm-hmm. the, the forerunners for it. But yeah, those price points... Like even I was thinking that I might buy one of those systems this holiday season that came out, and now I'm like, ooh, oh no, I might, I might not do that. I might not. I don't think I'll be pulling the trigger on that. Just not to no. mention, I don't think it's going to have the same staying power as the original PS3 with its backwards ca- compatibility that it actually possessed versus these ones, which uh, I think their com- backwards compatibility is a bit easier because they're only going back like a generation. Well, the- Xbox is going to have all kinds of backwards compatibility so they'll have that to kind of shine outshine playstation to that degree i know playstation 5 is trying to do a lot more with making games backwards, backwards. compatible or available in some degree but it's to a way lesser extent yeah um also i'm back food Hi. is cooked um but yeah the 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 whole aspect behind the backwards compatibility is uh playstation does a lot of weird stuff with its hardware um versus xbox which to be blunt it's all windows based which is why it's so easy to be backwards compatible on xbox than it is to be playstation yeah i don't know if you caught this part of it but i was mentioning to mpx that a lot of the pricing uh hurdles that the playstation 5 is having to deal with was because they share a lot of parts and technology with the new generation of cell phones uh i did hear that i also heard well not heard that but i did hear about the price pointing aspect which that's always up for debate yeah it was uh and a kind of a an idea that i heard from a, a different uh, news channel was that this might be still in, in xbox best interest just because they mm-hmm. more so than sony can take the brunt of of making the X, selling the xbox at a loss and may want to do that if they want to to bring more appeal to the xbox series x as opposed to playstation 5 well given the current loadout as i'm gonna put it uh by technical specs the xbox has set itself up to be quotations super easy to replace parts because modular uh they're using stock standard computer parts for everything that is not going to be soldered onto the motherboard so it's hard drive is yeah you'll have two hard drives uh one of which is a sata hard drive so uh, you can get up to two terabytes. The other one is going to be basically an M.2 drive. Okay, yeah, yeah, I remember. I think I remember seeing or reading about those. I mean, I barely, um, me- I, I barely memorize specs when it comes to consoles, but I just remember that yeah, they were they were impressive for a new generation. 
Well, uh, there, uh, from my perspective, it's impressive that they're actually going with stock standard parts, which um, Sony is not because their hard drive. Yeah, you can replace it with a SATA drive, but it's this weird wonky number, and it's a uh, solid state, uh, sa- uh, solid state drive, which. Well, I think both systems are using solid state drives now, right? That just seems like the the no-brainer next thing you should be doing at this point. Yeah. Um, Microsoft. The reason why Microsoft is going with a two hard drive system is that uh, the the one hard uh, they're both going to be solid state. It's just one. It, the M.2 drive is going to be the main hard drive, uh, whereas the other one is more about like storage and data and stuff. And can be swapped out for quotations a larger hard drive because i think they mentioned that you could actually stick a 3.5 hard drive in there and get like a 10 terabyte hard drive there hmm. but so there'll be some wiggle room to expand the capabilities in the future supposedly i really don't see why they'd use a 3.5 drive because admittedly i could see some aspects because of like once again let, i'm just gonna go into steam and Check how big a uh, like a uh, big a game is. Let's see. Here we go. Doom Eternal. Is it is it eternally huge? Actually, I think Doom Eternal is actually fairly light as compared to other things. Where is my copy of Doom Eternal? No, where are you? I, I, bet, it's, I bet it's in your Steam library. I bet that's where it is. I know it's in my Steam <laughs> library. I'm just like, oh, there it is. There's Doom Eternal. Uh, store page. Stop playing video. Doom Eternal, 50 gigabytes. That's actually not half bad. But let's see other games that are recommended for Doom Eternal. Uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I'm trying to think what other games would be massive at this point. Uh, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, uh, Call of Duty. Call of Duty. EA's horrible at this. Uh, wait, wrong, wrong version of EA, uh, Call of Duty. Actually, there is. Ah, let, let's do your favorite one, Fallout. Yes. Fallout 76, specifically. Mm-hmm. 80. Yep, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, Fallout 4. Fallout 4. Bethesda has no optimization. Oh, 4 is only 30. Okay. But yeah, 76 is 80 gigabytes. Um, For comparison, let me go bring up Final Fantasy 14. And MMOs are notorious for being weirdly... Spacious yet empty. Uh, with every ver- uh, with all versions of Final Fantasy XIV, and that's including um, Shadowbringers, it's supposedly 60 gigabytes. This is an MMO. Yeah, but it was an MMO developed back in 2014. Yeah, it's a bit old this day- these days. It's like you know, World of Warcraft is. Even with its graphical refresh, that graphical refresh was back in, like, what, 2012, 2014 as well? I think they also did another one up in, like, 2017. Yeah, I don't think they really upped the model poly count all that much, comparatively, to the initial release from 2005, 2006. I think they did do some changes to the texture packs. Yeah. Not necessarily the poly count, but the textures. But, yeah, um... With, and I know that there's games out there that are like 120, 140. Uh, actually, I think GTA 6 is one of those ones that's like in the hundreds. I mean, fine. Uh, there is no GTA 6 yet. 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 
There's been rumors of it being in development, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay, I meant GTA 5. But then again, oh. GTA 6 will probably be 160 gigs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, here we go. Um, it's a free-to-play game. People do play it. Uh, there's a lot of players. Destiny Fortnite? 2. Oh. Wonder how much the just Destiny 2 is? 80 gigs. 90 gigs. 100 and, 105. Oh, yeah, that's... That's a uh, one big a meatball. <laughs> that's some meat. To, that's a spicy a meatball. So, uh, th this is probably why a lot of uh, companies are trying to do the ability to allow easy upgrades to the hard drives. Because I hate to say it, but American optimization for video games is even J Japanese optimization. Like Monster Hunter takes up like fifty-five gigs or so. No, forty-six gigs. Uh, Double-checking, uh, 48 by their count. And this is Iceborne that we're talking about. I'm going to be honest, I, I don't know whether that... I don't know. If you just told me that, that that game is 40 gigabytes, I don't know whether that's lean or not. Um, uh, considering the environment and monsters, animation data, particle data, things like that, uh, considering that it's also doing some... Uh, saving on some things it could possibly save on i don't know well i admittedly like there's one game jason uh a uh, jason a friend of ours would recommend as it's super good in its optimization i actually do own the game which is the uh lotus wars uh metroidvania game deed lit and wonder labyrinth yeah but that's a 2d it... sprite based game well okay i'm gonna mention it and i'm gonna find another th uh, 2d sprite based game as a comparison. Yeah, but let's be honest, some of those sprite-based games are probably just simply going like, well, we can not deal with the optimization because even if we go to, like, uh, two gigs, it doesn't sound as big as, like, so many of these other games. Yeah. Not to um, mention rendering sprites in uh, HD probably actually requires a bit of uh, forethought on how to render them correctly versus yeah. a stock standard how many pixels per screen. So, but no, like, that game is, like, roughly about 50 megabytes, and I'm going to bring up, let's say, uh, oh, God, it's on the tip of my tongue. Um, Metroidvania. There's Terraria, which has a lot of content that's currently at 240.71 megabytes. Um, There's, you know, uh, Nuclear Throne, which is 157 megabytes. I was basing it off of similar genre and similar take. Well, if we go down to com the Commander Keen collection, if the entire thing is 25 megabytes. Well, I wasn't Commander Keen. I was talking about an actual game made oh, recently. Mean comparatively to that style? Yeah, that style of both... Uh, Metroidvania. Metroidvania, 2D sprites, um, released fairly recently. And I can't remember the name of it, and I own the game. Less games. It, it, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, and I'm having a hard time. Actually. Well, if you give up, let me know, because I have this one more potential conversation we can have before we call it a day. Axiom Verge, that was it. Oh. Well, that's not that recent. No, but um, let's see. I know Axiom Verge is like 500 megabytes. Axiom Verge. Yeah, but it's doing some extra filters on top of it and such. Yeah. So, I don't know exactly how much that would actually bulk up the uh, data of. 
anyway like assets and such so yeah it, it's one of those situations where and the reason why i think we brought this up is because uh hard drive space unlike eddie i'm stuck with a fat ps4 with a 500 giga hard drive I'm sorry. against the uh limitations quite often so if and when i buy a ps5 do you want my ps4 pro uh debate debatable because i may be getting a ps5 but definitely not as an early adopter as you know given the numbers we saw i was talking about earlier and just be and just because you know those consoles are always kind of iffy in the very beginning it'll probably be mid mid year to a full year before I, i i jump on that bandwagon yeah, especially since you probably have to buy purchase the PS5 version of Final Fantasy uh, 7 Remake. <laughs> of course. And then there's going to be the Kingdom Hearts version. I, and I will buy it. I am such a sucker for Kingdom Hearts. I will buy a PlayStation 5 version of that game. Anyway, what was your topic? So, yes. this is th- something I just learned today. But, um, so one of the... Are you all readers of Kotaku articles? Oh, not... Jason Schreier leaving Kotaku? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I heard about it. I haven't read about why. Uh, it's because of the uh, fighting over Geno Media, which now owns most of the Gawker-associated websites, mm-hmm. and how the fact that uh, Jason Schreier just doesn't want to work underneath them any longer. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly, Mundo. Which, I don't know, I guess that means the maybe is this is the end, the end, the beginning of the end for Kotaku, which I like to say. Like, I know it's kind of iffy sometimes, but I ju- Generally, have positive feelings toward the site, but I feel for you know the stories that these these folks who are leaving the company have to say about the company and go, yeah, probably should leave. That sucks. I'll be honest. Um, given what they went through, I I hate to say it, but like all the Associated Press underneath the company, I feel like they have a bunch of redundant news places, and they technically could condense them. Yeah, but that's not that's why they're probably leaving. true. I mean, that's not exactly helping anybody who needs to be helped in this situation. Well, yeah. it, uh, it you can't help anybody in this situation. You can't support, you know, uh, ten times the amount of writers you actually need if they're not actually getting ten times the views. Yeah. and What, I, what does that have to do with this guy leaving? He didn't leave because he was let go. He left because the company sucks. Well, oh, that's yeah. the thing. That's He's, why he thinks that the company sucks. Is because the company wants him to talk... Like, it all comes down to how uh, some people view the Deadspin thing. And just to clarify, I didn't know Deadspin was a sports site until after this event. <laughs> yeah. Because I was absolutely convinced that it was only politics 100% of the time. And no, it's supposed to be a sports site. And, and while it makes sense in hindsight, it's like, well, if I never knew it was a sports site, why would I ever go there to check for sports? Why does it exist if it's not really talking about sports? And, and the reason why I mentioned I think they should condense because of the whole thing leaving is to use the old idiom, too many chefs in the kitchen will spoil the meal. Yeah, but the problem with it is is that Kotaku has lost pretty much most of its major talent in terms of its journalist and integrity. Yeah. This, that's and, not happening because there's too many people in the kitchen. It's because they have a, you know, a corporate overlord that wants them to do very specific things either that they don't agree with or is preventing them from doing specific things they think is important. Well, at, at the thing, it's like if you're going to go into a writing job and let's say that they hire you as a columnist for, let's say, sports, but you only know about how to write for, let's say, 
you're making a bunch of political editorials that have absolutely no relationships to sports at best. You really, uh, it's like, and they tell you, like, no, we hired you to write for it, sports. It, the thing was is that they sent out an email that stated to the Deadspin employees, which is why this f- went through the rest of the Gawker Associated Press, essentially, uh, is that they ended up asking them, could you at least, you know, talk about sports? We don't care if you're political about it. Just keep on topic to what the site is supposed to be. Yeah. And if people are getting royally pissed because, oh, I just want to talk about politics and I don't want to write about sports, uh, it, it kind of starts going there. Why are okay. you even... <laughs> I, I wildly disagree with what you're saying. Wildly. Because... First off, the, the people making the, the demands like that are people who came in after the, fa- the fact that that has been both existed and was successful. Deadspin was both successful and a and a running blog company website, whatever you want to call it, well before these these investor group came in and started de- demanding certain things. So that it's just that was it only new- successful because they were given free reign to do whatever they want, and because the uh, economy was good for them sure maybe that yeah i think there's something to that because that's really the other major thing that's been going on is that a lot of these sites aren't making the revenue that they used to make because uh advertising dollars on websites are no longer as effective as they used to be mm-hmm. yeah it's and that's one of the other things that they criticized was the fact that uh on kotaku they ended up running these horrendous ads trying to like make even the Mirgurus amount of clicks on the website actually are worth anything. And unplayed. Yeah, but they, and it was causing, you know, problems because obviously users don't want to go to there and the authors and the writers on the website and such don't want them because it just makes uh, them look bad in in association. Mm -hmm. But the reason why they ended up doing that in the first place is because the amount of clicks the website was getting in terms of advertising dollars, wasn't enough to support it. And uh, the only ways to do that is either disable everybody's ad block, because... Like certain companies. Like Uh. prevent you from reading the website or things Mm -hmm. like that without disabling your ad block. We're talking about you, Forbes.com. We're We're talking about almost every major website (laughs) these days. (laughs) Literally, (laughs) Times. It wouldn't be surprising if YouTube says that you're no longer allowed to use Adblock on their site. Oh, God, that would be... uh... I mean, I I have premium, so I don't care. (laughs) Well, thanks to you. (laughs) You're welcome. You're supporting them through another method, so... I mean, I get it. I mean, I I get it and I don't get it, because you're saying that that these companies are worried about having enough revenue to, to run... Well, I think, I think they're it's worried a matter about of conflict of interest. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Jason Schreier and Associates have left due to the idea of solidarity. That they know that they are, you know, popular and well-known enough that they could restart again on a different website, start up entirely on their own accord, and make their own business. And not have to rely on, as you said, corporate overloads. Overloads. Both. Yeah. I think both apply. <laughs> And, you know... Corporate overloads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, the problem really is, is that I think the business model which Kotaku and other associated sites started up on are no longer as financially stable as they used to be, or financially viable. I guess without looking at the numbers, I don't... I mean, 
I don't know if that's what it is. I think my, my inclination, just based on what, what I've been, been fed at this point, is that this is less about, you know, a, a company that is profiting and, you know, able to run and more like these journalists can't journalize because they have editors and corporate overlords that are like, no, we don't want you to write that. I don't think they have editors in the first place. That's <laughs> half the problem. There's no fact checkers. There's no... There's a lot of things to be criticizing on the journalistic aspect. A lot of them just simply write opinion pieces, and anybody can do that. Yeah, but there's a difference with that. Because even like, like the only like, like, actual like one that has committed to pure journal, close to journalism, is Jason Schreier. And now that he's left Kotaku, uh, I don't know if anybody's ever going to visit the site for anything other than shits and giggles. Yeah. And and I think in the long term that won't be enough. And that's not the writer's fault. I think that's the corporate overlords pushing someone like Jason away. Well, I think the corporate overlords just, first of all, they got a ba bad deal. They bought this thing because it looked really good on the books, like a lot of websites. They say, oh, we're worth so much money, but they aren't generating that kind of revenue. Well, they took over and after when they wanted went under to generate that kind of revenue. They don't know how to actually make it do that because they're assuming that the people who are doing this actually know how to. And I think it's a matter of neither side really knows how to make the website work because they never really understood how it worked in the first place i mean that's what i'm getting back to where are we getting this idea that it, the website's not working because i think it's if working it was people would be going there because they want to go there and they would no. want to disable their ad block because they would want to support kotaku i think you had an excellent point that the same advertising methods aren't working but that that's yeah and the internet it. runs off of advertising or at least it has been for a while well, I mean, that's the entire reason why, like, people could make millions of dollars in the uh, dot-com bustle was because you could just simply make a website, and if people came through there, you, the advertising dollars of just simply people visiting or hitting the site uh, could make you thousands. And it's the reason why YouTube uh, celebrities became a thing is because you could start up the basic uh, Google AdSense in 2012 and such and make a living off of it fairly easily. Before the whole, you know... Ad, uh, multiple adpocalypses. Yeah. And I think the reality is is that uh, advertisers just don't have the money that they used to have to just throw at websites and such for advertising. Okay, David, final words because we've got to wrap up. Okay. Pizza rolls. No. Astounding. <laughs> okay, Both pizza rolls it is. This buffant. Okay. Uh, all joking aside, um, to be blunt... Uh, Final words, Final Fantasy VII Remake, it feels good so far, but I, I'm dreading the ending. I really am dreading the ending. You mean cliffhanger. The, the cliffhanger, because, like, I already know you fight Genova. Because they literally showed that in one of the promos. So Technically, uh, you don't supposed to fight Genova until uh, Junon. the ship from Junon. Yeah, so that's a thing. Uh, the whole next-gen PS5, Xbox X... Uh, as of right now, based off of everything that we do, do know, I, I'm still going to get a PlayStation 5, but I'm half-tempted, half-tempted to actually go for an Xbox, just to have a way of just having access to some of the stuff that I have on my own computer to stream on my TV, and vice versa. <laughs> we need to talk more about that next week. Yeah. Um, the whole thing with Kotaku, it... It's a can of worms, and there's no easy point to go blame or 
point out that no, this no, is the problem. I think the blame is universal. The people that are trying to run the website are wrong because they got uh, fooled into thinking that they could make money off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that people writing for Kotaku were expecting a much easier job and uh, haven't really figured out a way to make people want to go back to Kotaku uh, to visit things without, you know, being browbeaten into it. Debatable. Yeah. It, it's That's why I say it's not really clear is the fact that, like, it feels like just about everybody involved right now is to blame. And at, at the same chance, no one is to blame. Blame corporate overlords. Well, of course we're going to blame because it's convenient. Because it's convenient in the fact that that's what the 90s movies told us. They're always in evil. The 80s, the 90s, the 10s, the aughts. Wrap it up! We gotta wrap up! The 1910s. (laughs) But, no, those those are my thoughts. I'm not sure about uh, MPX here. Okay, we might need to... I don't think that we'll be able to get to any real conclusion outside of that it's a terrible situation because I don't think Kotaku is going to last another two years as, you know, as it has been. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Okay, with that, I think we got to actually wrap up. So, everybody, catch our podcasts, watch us on streams, support us. Bye, everybody. We're gone. Laters. Watch the stream. This has been a presentation of Front Row Geeks. Adios.